Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Terror Store. I've just realised in the camera how mad my hair is. So, um, yeah, those we're, we're desperately waiting for those um, barbers and, and hairdressers to get open. But, you know, if someone wants it. to progressively go back through each episode and look just at how mad my hair's going, I mean, it's getting over my ears now. But anyway, that's enough about my hair. Uh, we're here to talk about football and Hurry City, of course, host Blackburn on Saturday, as is the relentless nature of the championship. You go a week without a game and then you get three games in a week. But we love it. Of course, a little bit of a break after this one uh, for various internationals. Delighted to be joined by Norwich fan based in America, Nick Dice. And Nick, thank you very much for joining us. And also uh, Rovers chat contributor and Blackburn fan Ryan Hildred as well. Nick, let's let's start with you. Um, tell us a little bit. I mean, we're kind of talking about it off camera, but talk to us a little bit about what you do in, in the States and, and, and how you got over there. Yeah, so I'm originally from uh, Norwich or the Norwich area. I grew up in a village called Puller Market in the south of Norfolk um, and just loved playing football and uh, eventually coaching football, started working for the, the football club of the community scheme. Um, coaching is a great way and a great avenue to, to travel and get out and see other things. And that's being in Norwich, especially after Robbie Savage's comments, I kind of understand what he's talking about. It's a little bit Sometimes you can, even though there's all that space and it's wide open, you can sometimes feel a little bit claustrophobic. And that's kind of how I felt. So I wanted to travel and I wanted to see uh, what I could do with coaching somewhere else and then move to America um, and moved around a little bit. But uh, now I find myself in San Francisco, California. I've been here for 12 years and yeah, really enjoying working with, um, with, working with the local youth talent here and yeah, really enjoying soccer here. Oh, good stuff. Uh, it's, it's it's good to hear that. And it's, it was an interesting story. Obviously, Daryl Russell, we know is former Norwich player coaching over there. So, I mean, you've you've crossed paths with him as well, haven't you? Yeah. So he he's out in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is uh, which is not too far from from California where I am. And um, there's a lot of college showcases and tournaments that go on across Nevada and California. So yeah, often uh, coaches will bump into each other, and uh, sometimes you see see people who you, who you haven't seen for a long time. I just met. Um, Tom Park, who who I know you guys will know, uh, or certainly Connie, you'll know, uh, who I'm really close with. And we just bumped into each other in, in the middle of Las Vegas at, at Soccer Talk. We were actually in the wrong car park. We'd both driven the wrong direction to the wrong place. So it's bizarre who you can meet sometimes. Yeah, is. I, I know Tom well. So uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not surprised at that story. Let's put it that way. Um, Ryan, thank you very much for, for joining us from a Blackburn perspective. Obviously, we, we had you on for the reverse fixture as well um just talk to us a little bit about where Blackburn are because uh, for large portions of this season they've kind of looked like the side that maybe would make that burst into the playoffs it hasn't quite happened and we'll come on to obviously Bradley Dack and his injury but it, it just feels like maybe there's been a loss of form or, or momentum or, or both how would you kind of summarize where Blackburn are at the moment yeah both of those and a real unraveling of the season Connor so um you're right you know kind of around that Christmas period we're thinking yeah we we are usually okay in the second half of the season um but we didn't have a great Christmas period um started January okay actually um I think it was one three and, and drew one and Mowbray was nominated for manager of the month and uh then it was just a devastating run of form through February and through March and we're currently on one win in 11 games so you know the season has really unraveled and We've gone from being quite close to playoff contention to now 19 points off Barnsley, which, you know, really says it all. And, you know, the playoffs are, are long gone. They were gone a while ago and really trapped in that mid-table mediocrity. And I think there were probably a lot of Rovers fans thinking that playoffs were hope more than expectation. But I think we all were expecting to be a little bit closer, kind of at this point in the season, thinking, could we? Maybe, might be, but... 
you know, it's ultimately not happened. And you just look at Barnsley and Reading and you can't help but think there's been an opportunity missed there, particularly with how well it was off the pitch for us um, before the season started. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember uh, the reverse fixture was one of the rare away games that I've been to this season. I've only probably been to four or five, which of course is a privilege compared to obviously where, where everyone else is at the moment. But in, in that game, I mean, Blackburn were in it. They, they what, scored an equaliser, didn't they? And and, and then uh, Tony Mowbray decided to sub off his entire midfield, which seemed like a bit of a strange move. But certainly from what I saw in December on, on, on the evidence of one game, and obviously you've seen a lot more of, of Blackburn this season, they, they look like a side that probably would be in, in the top 10 competing for the playoffs. Maybe not quite to the same standard as, as some sides I've seen in the top six, but certainly one of the better sides that I'd seen in the championship. So I guess the obvious question really is, is what's gone wrong for Tony Mowbray? Yeah, it's a combination of things. I think if I was to summarise it and then maybe go into a bit of detail, um, where you would probably say particularly Reading are a team that are greater than the sum of their parts. I think Rovers are a side that are less than the sum of our parts. You know, we've got everything on the pitch and, and off the pitch to to really be higher than what we are. And ultimately, it's not happening. Um Weirdly, even though we scored a lot of goals early on in the season, we're not a very clinical side and weren't a clinical side in the early portion of that season. So um, everything up to the final third was great. Lots of possession, uh, lots of tidy passing, um, et cetera, et cetera. Stuff that Rovers, you know, historically might not have done. And it was nice to see that evolve in our game. Uh, but quickly, sides worked out that if you frustrate Rovers, sit back, let them have the ball, slowly but surely, they're not going to create those chances. And the real damning fact for Rovers this season is when we go behind in a game of football, we don't come back. I think the, the stats are crazy. It's something like... Um, 22 point I, I can't remember what the stat is I think we've earned two points or something daft like that from losing positions this season and you can't have that in the championship and you can't have that if you, you're thinking of making the playoffs so really I think as the season's gone on the game plan and the blueprint to, bre to beat Rovers has become easier and easier for sides and um, and that's it, you know, frustrate us, let us have the ball, deny us chances and in recent weeks we've not even been creating the chances so last night against Bristol City one shot on target, you know, that's that's not good enough really at this level. So, yeah, real just unravelling of that possession-based attacking mentality that Mowbray's got. All the core components are just starting to deteriorate and make us a very non-clinical, non-effective side really. We'll, we'll come on to Mowbray and, and, and Bradley Dack, I guess, is, is probably the obvious, obvious one to come on to. Um, a really devastating injury for him. But Nick, uh, in, in contrast to maybe Ryan's, uh, I don't know if gloom's the right word, pessimism might be uh, might be better placed or whichever one Ryan prefers. Norwich are obviously in a much better place. They've just beaten Nottingham Forest. They sit, what, 13 points clear of, of third place. It, it must be pretty nice watching Norwich City at the moment. Oh, most definitely. And Ryan, I, I feel for you. I was a season ticket holder of Norwich in the in the 90s. So um, mediocrity in the championship, is it rings a lot of bells with me. Uh, but the, the Norwich team now, every time I sit down to watch a game, it's almost like um, watching an FA Cup tie where you're massive favourites every game. And you're just trying to avoid an upset, a slip, because that could then spiral into something else. But now I think we've gone past that point. I think I think we've gone past the point of, of no return, if you like, and now we're just cruising. Every, every player just seems concentrated and committed and everything coming out of Daniel Farker's mouth is about focus. And you, you can just tell we're a machine right now that's that's unstoppable. And of course, there's always going to be games where, you know, things happen and upsets happen and um, that, that's normal. But we just feel, it just feels like I don't even need to 
to watch anymore. It's like, oh, just tell me we've won and move on. Uh, it's just the performances are really, really consistent. Yeah, it's it's almost robotic, isn't it? And and you know, you're you're a coach, so maybe you can give us some insight into this. But how hard is it to get players to that level, and, and not just to get them there, but to keep them there consistently? Because it's now nine wins; it's a nine consecutive wins in, in the league is a new record. Of course, there's that one from the '80s of ten league wins that they can match on Saturday. Although there was a a couple of of, of cup defeats in there, so they're yet to match that. Obviously, they they can do with a win on on Saturday. How difficult is it? as a coach to get your players up to that level and, and to keep them there consistently like Daniel Farkas managed to do? Well, it's, it's actually really, really easy if you're in a league that's too easy for you. So if, for example, when we put our, our players or our teams into divisions and we choose a division, if it ends up being a division that's, that's too easy for them, it'll, I mean, in kids' soccer, it's, it's like you, you can get 7-0, 8-0 week on, week out. And so you get this pattern. But then as soon as they jump up, it's a whole different set of perspectives. And, and that's where you might get players start becoming demotivated and parents start getting demotivated with the situation. So in terms of um, getting, and, and clearly, I mean, we are the envy of every championship club with the roster that, that we hold and um, style of play that we play. There's there's no doubt that, that we are the champions elect and, and we're definitely the strongest team in this division. So um, it's, it's not easy to win every week. I'm sure the championship has proved that year in, year out. Um, but, we're now finding that that very very easy. I mean, uh, providing uh, you know, unless there's a calamity, unless um, somehow four or five injuries, and then we're bringing in four or five players out of the blue who maybe need to get up to speed, or maybe they're liable to make a mistake here and there, which could slip us up. I just can't see anything else but Norwich winning from here till to the end of the season. Yeah, it does feel like a matter of, of when rather than if, doesn't it? And and just to go back to what you said there about uh, children's football, I remember when when I was a youngster, I, I always used to consider myself a fairly decent player at sort of B B um, B league level. But as soon as it went up to the A league, I really struggled. Perhaps didn't have the legs for that. But um, but there you go. <laughs> there's there's an, an analogy about my very brief and unsuccessful football career. Um, Ryan, just to, to talk about Tony Mowbray a little bit, what's kind of the, the feeling um, amongst Rover, Rovers fans on, on him at the moment. He's obviously been fairly long-serving. I think the majority externally, and, and, and maybe you guys as well, would say on the whole he's done a very good job. But this deterioration, is it maybe beginning to show that there's a ceiling maybe to the job he can do at, at Blackburn? Yeah, that's definitely been reached now, Connor. Um, and the tipping point of what the fans think about the manager has, has sadly been reached as well. Um, you know, unfortunately, this season, that tail off after Christmas, you know, there's there's been a few similar things that have happened. Even though we do invariably finish a season quite strongly, we've had have had these periods where we've had those losing streaks or non-winning runs or whatever. So, as you say, four years into a job now where... We're probably no closer to the playoffs than, you know, the first season back in the championship, for example, when we came back from League One. It is leaving a lot of fans now to be questioning, you know, is he the man to take us up? And ultimately in this division, you know, with the money that's coming down from the Premier League, Norwich City, of course, a team currently doing that, to break into that top six is going to become more and more difficult. And I think you need a manager that's got that X factor, got that swagger, has got that something that is going to allow you to bridge that big gap. And that's what, again, Barnsley are doing this season. Everything's right for them off the pitch. And they've got a man in Valerian Ishmael who absolutely absolutely knows his team's identity, is driving the right results. And it's no surprise to find themselves fifth because quite a lot of the rest of the championship is fairly mediocre, Rovers included, and they've taken advantage of that opportunity. So, yeah, unfortunately, 
there are a lot of eyes on Mowbray now and thinking, you know, is the time right to say goodbye to Tony? Um, first and foremost, though, he's done a fantastic job. He's rebuilt the club. He saved us when we went down into League One, has really got us back now into a solid championship side. But obviously, we've got aspirations to be in the Premier League. We've got a brilliant academy that is producing players. Um, we've got, again, just these components to actually make the Premier League. And I just, if I just put my flag to the mast, I don't think Tony is the man to take us up. I don't think he has got that X factor, that swagger. And I do think we need a change. And we've got a golden opportunity um, now, actually. You don't get time very often in football. You know, football's so fast moving. We've got the international break coming up and we know we're not going up. We know we're not going down. You could relieve the manager of his duties now, <clears throat> take your time to find the replacement and really get the right man who's got a chance just to eyeball that squad before the season finishes. Everything will then slow down for Euro 2021, so you're not able to do anything. And then you're giving him the best chance of success the next man if you do the, the managerial change at the right point. The fear in Rovers fans is that we won't sack Mowbray. Um, we'll go through the summer. And maybe one day Venkis will wake up, look at the league table. Rovers are in 18th place after six games or something like that. And they pull the trigger at that point. That will become devastating for us. So timing is crucial with all of this if we are going to relieve Mowbray of his duties. But yeah, that tipping point has been reached, Connor, I'm afraid. And, and it is sad to see because he's done a great job and he's a lovely bloke. But he's not the one to take us up, unfortunately. Interesting that you mentioned Barnsley there. Of course, Norwich fans will know that, that Daniel Farquhar and Valerie Ishmael were on the same coaching course. So maybe if you're a championship chairman, you, you desperately try and figure out who else was on that coaching course. Right? Yeah. Maybe maybe success is as simple as that. Um, just in, in, in terms of um, Mowbray then, if what you've said there is is the process that happens, is there a particular appointment that, that you would like? Would you like Blackburn to look abroad to, to a foreign coach who, who maybe does have this philosophy that's that's become successful sort of in, in the last or popular rather in the last couple of years or would you go for a, a young British name because there seems to be a little bit of sort of tug of war at the moment in the championship over which direction to head in in terms of new management. Yeah, definitely. And that is the million dollar question, isn't it? If you're getting rid of someone like Mowbray, who is the man that's next? And I think this, um, some of the names that I've seen doing the rounds on Rovers social media and the Rovers chat YouTube channel and stuff like that, there's a lot of them not inspiring me, if I'm being honest, Connor. Um, and actually, the names that do inspire you, you've got to think realistically, are we going to get those people? So Chris Wilder, for example, never come into Rovers in a million years. So forget him. Slaven Bilic, never come into Rovers in a million years, so forget him. So we've got to be realistic about who we are going to get as a manager. So then that leads you into these names that aren't inspiring you. Or as you say, Connor, I'd really like us to go in that direction and go for a European manager and maybe do what Norwich have done with Daniel Farker or David Wagner at Huddersfield, etc., etc. But I think the complicating factor we have in that is Brexit, because I'm led to believe that these managers now, when they come over to... England need to have managed in a certain tier of, of division and obviously that's going to come at a cost to attract that type of manager so really that's then probably leading you to one of two managers if you're not inspired by the older head and you can't get the European manager you either promote from within which we could do with Damian Johnson who's our under 23s coach and overseeing a very very good academy setup at the moment we've done that before with Gary Bowyer and it didn't necessarily work for us so we've probably done that before or you could take a risk with someone lower down in the league platform. You only have to look at what happened with the Cowley brothers, for example, at Huddersfield. Brilliant job at Lincoln City. 
didn't really succeed at Huddersfield. So you're probably talking a lot of money to prize that type of manager away because if they're doing well in the lower leagues, those clubs are going to be commanding a fee to get compensation. So it's a really difficult one, Connor, for who the replacement is. If we took everything out of the equation, European manager for me. I, I fancy a change in direction. I fancy someone that's just going to come in and use our recruitment department really well and tap into these markets that we've now got with the likes of Thomas Kaminsky joining the club and really use that academy well. I, I just I fancy a change in direction. Mm, it's Yeah, I, I, the name you mentioned there, David Wagner, I mean, that would be an interesting one, wouldn't it, theoretically? I know he didn't do the best job at Schalke, but I was listening to an interview with um, the former Huddersfield owner the other day who said, actually, he thinks he's probably better suited to English football because of his style of play and his mentality. And I'm probably mm. a little bit surprised that he hasn't ended up back in the Championship. But yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see which direction Blackburn do go in, um, should, they, uh, should they decide to to dispense of, of Tony Mowbray. Um, Nick, in, in terms of, of Norwich, a 2-0 win against Nottingham Forest, and you kind of spoke earlier about that potential slip, that banana skin, I guess, that maybe gets increasingly, or, or supporters get increasingly concerned about as these sort of wins um, continue to mount. Was was this one kind of, did this one feel more so in, in that vein? Because when the team news dropped, Emi Buendia obviously wasn't in the starting lineup, and we know how well, atrocious, really. Norwich City's record is when he isn't involved in the side. Yeah, it probably did feel like that way for a lot of people. Emi Buendia is, you know, can take the championship any game he wants in the championship and just light it up. Um, and that can change momentum. It can change a lot of things. So Emi Buendia is an extremely important player. But what what Daniel Fark has done is he's he's developed a, the system of play is far more important than. Uh, than anything else, than, than even than the win. So he's now bringing players into a system where they know their roles, where they know what they're going to do. And you could see the Nottingham Forest game. It was almost the way we started that game. I think the first four or five minutes, Forest didn't have a kick. It was almost that the players were trying to prove that it's not only Emi Buendia. Look, we, you know, we're in this system, we can play. Um, and and that's that's become part of who we are. And I was just listening to Ryan there talk about who's going to be the next manager. And it's kind of like scattered all over the place. Could be them, could be them, could be them. We don't know. Whereas at Norwich, we've now got this succession plan. We know when a good team is coming because we know when the good players are coming through the youth system. Um, we know we've got a style of play that's kind of worked its way all the way through. So whoever comes in is going to try and work into that system, even though everyone will have their own individuality. Um, so it's a very calming environment to be around versus you know the, the past where it has been. You know, who's going to be our next manager, Alan Pardew, Kirbishley, you know, all over. The, it doesn't feel like that anymore at Norwich. And I think that's that's the environment and the culture that's been built around the club from the ground up. Mm, I, I remember the collective, um, I don't know what the best word is, shrug maybe, when when after Alex Neil left, there were those reports, weren't there, that Alan Pardew was due to be appointed in, in the next 48 hours. And just the the um, the apathy was already pretty strong inside the club, but that seemed to, to strengthen it. And, and then, of course, they elected to go down the sporting director route and we don't need to, to talk about what happened next. But um, just on to, to this game, I mean, the, the Buendia is obviously now back. He's, um, his second uh, child was was born, uh, Giovanni. So that means Norwich, you can have two 
Buendia's in 20 years um, strolling about their midfield. That's uh, that's the way this works. So Norwich need to get them signed up uh, very early. I, w- I would suggest if they've even got half the ability of the of their father. But in in, in terms of of that selection, if you're Daniel Farker, how do you play it? Because Lucas Rook registered two assists. Kieran Dow scored a goal. Todd Cantwell's obviously uh, well, he scored a belting goal against Sheffield Wednesday, but his form since Christmas has been pretty good. How do you get Emmy Buendia back into that side? Because let's be let's be frank, a player of his ability probably is going to come straight back in. If you're Daniel Farker, what do you do? Do you stick with Dowell or or stick with Rook? Do you drop Campwell out? What, what sort of direction would you head in? I think it's it's going to be, it, it doesn't really matter what I think, but it's going to be really interesting what Daniel Farker does do. Um, because he's always typically kept winning teams together. So if he's choosing to not do that because of Emi Brendier, does that put Emi back on a pedestal? And we kind of go back to, a, or, or does he wrap him up in cotton wool? Because the 40 million that we're expecting in the summer to build our squad again, is does he want to do that? Does he want to avoid, does he want to, keep him happy so that he does play for us next year in the Premier League. There's so many little nuance kind of mind games factors that comes into this one decision. Um, if it was me, I, I would keep him on the bench. Um, that's just because I think, you know, grounding him and keeping him part of the group could keep him here a little bit longer. So selfishly, that's what I would like. Um, but by the same token, I don't know him when there and maybe putting him straight back in the team is going to make him feel more loved and so, yeah, I don't know. And it's going to be really, really interesting when that team news comes out. I wonder if they're frantically trying to work out a way they can play 12 players on Saturday. That might be the, the best solution to it. I certainly wouldn't want to be in Daniel Farker's shoes over the next couple of days when he has to make that call because there's going to be one player um, at least very disappointed by that decision, I should expect, given the performance on on Wednesday. And they were so excellent. Um, Ryan, just to, to, to come to you, obviously Norwich without Buendia for one game. For Blackburn, they were without maybe their, their creator-in-chief again for a long period of time, Bradley Dack, another major injury. It's... Um, it's really sad to witness because everyone knows his talent and it's a shame now that he's been unable to show that across a prolonged period. He's, he's what just come back in the last couple of months, hasn't he, from a, a very, very serious injury uh, as well. How big of a blow is that for, for Blackburn? Oh, it's huge. Um, on and off the pitch, um, he's the absolute centre of our club. Um, you know, you see all the different funny videos that they do around the club shop and all of that. He's just an infectious character. You you can see that Mowbray just looks at him as like a son, really. Um, so off the pitch, just a, a huge character. And then on the pitch, just someone we were really looking forward to, to welcome him back. You know, he was a key part of that promotion campaign, really came up and took the championship by storm. And then got that horrible injury last season, you know, to his right knee um, that he did. So to do one ACL in your career is, you know, is bad luck in itself. But, you know, he'd been back for 10 weeks and was only just starting to find his feet. He'd got two goals in two games. Um, And then, uh, yeah, to do your left knee as well. And for it to involve David Raya, who was his teammate in that promotion campaign, just such a cruel twist of fate as well. And I know David Raya was gutted about it and all, um, but it's just desperately, desperately sad. And I really hope he can come back stronger. I really hope he can and, and can somehow get to the Premier League for at least just a small part of his career, because before that first knee injury, that is the trajectory that he was on. Um, I remain convinced that he would have gone in that summer had he not got injured in that Christmas period when he did. I think Rovers were gearing up to sell him. And I think he would have gone into the Premier League. And I look at the the England squad today, you know, you've got Calvin Phillips, you've got Ollie Watkins, you've got Patrick Bamford. I've got no doubt that Bradley Dack probably would have made an England squad by now had he made that move as well. So 
desperately bad luck for the player, desperately bad luck for us. And it was really hard to see that on that Friday night game against Brentford. Um, we did our live watch along and it was just basically five minutes of mourning at the end when it happened. You know, we didn't know what to say. We didn't know what to do. And he had 13 months out with that previous injury. And if he's got a 13-month layoff again, we're not even going to see him next season. You know, you're talking about the season after next when you see your talisman and your best player. And he'll be 28 years old at that point as well, nearly 29 because his birthday's in December. So just really sad for a footballer to be robbed of good years in his career. You know, when he's finished with that, if it is another 13 months talking 26 months of your football career gone just so sad really sad it is and what a talent like you say I, I would have been shocked if, um, if if he wouldn't have been a Premier League player uh, had he have avoided those injuries because uh, I think he's been pretty good at this way well, he's been exceptional at this level hasn't he for um, yeah. when, when he has been involved it, it is a real shame and on a personal level it must be very tough as well so um, we of course send our, our best wishes to him in, in terms of Tom Tribal. We obviously spoke about him last time you were on and he himself had had some issues of injury and, and was maybe just getting up to speed a little bit in terms of the, the uh, of his role in the Blackburn team. It's obviously a very strong competitive midfield that he's he's um, he's fighting for. He, he got that assist the other day, didn't he? That which was which was pretty impressive. How how do you kind of rate him this season? How well has he done? Yeah, he's been really unlucky, actually, and I don't think he's had a fair crack of the whip, Connor. Um, And this is where some of Mowbray's management and some of the stuff he says in the press annoys the fans because you've got a player like Tom Tribal who's in our squad and then you've had Lewis Travis injured for three to four months and Mowbray's desperate to throw him back into the side at the first opportunity, arguably too early in the game against Birmingham. And it's just weird things like that, that why have we loaned this player from Norwich City, who's clearly a great player and done it, and you're rushing a player back who's had three to four months out injured. So these little things have have annoyed the fans. But when Tribal has played, um, I've been really impressed with him. So the first time he really took notice with me is um, we played Huddersfield away in December, I think it was. Uh, and he positioned himself really deep at the base of the midfield. And he was basically instructing everyone away from him. He was like, I'm sitting you lot go up there and do what you're doing. And I love that. He was bossing the midfield really well. Sadly, he got an injury in that game. And it wasn't for a couple of months uh, that we saw him back in the starting lineup. Uh, We went on that horror run of form and got our first win um, in seven games away at Millwall. Tribal was a big feature of that win. As you say, the assist uh, against Swansea was just, you know, the best assist of the season. I was waxing lyrical over it on the watch along. Just absolutely loved it. But... Um, I'd say he's done okay when he's played tribal. He's a player that I'd love us to sign next season if we can, um, because I really like the position he takes in that midfield. I don't think we've got anyone else like him. I think the other players that we've got in there have got that element of wanting to get forward, wanting to attack, where tribal is your true deep-lying midfielder. And I really like it, and I think he really complements our midfielder, uh, our midfield. So I'd say it's it's one that I wish I'd had more games to see him, Connor, and give the the Norwich fans a really good assessment of him because he's done okay when he's played, but I've probably not got enough of a sample size to say he's been our best player or he's done this or he's done that. He's he's looked okay when he's played, yeah. Well, I think it's it's quite clear that he's not in the plans at Norwich. So who knows? Maybe a, a reunion next season, and you can uh, you can have a better look at him, Ryan. That would uh, that would be ideal, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. Nick, just in terms of. Kieran Dow, we've kind of spoke about Blackburn's um, unluckiness with, with some of their players. He's He's been someone that has been pretty unlucky himself. Obviously, he got that Achilles injury, what, two games into the season, missed a large chunk and has kind of been 
regaining fitness ever since. In the last two games, with, with obviously his, his goal against Forest, which he took exceptionally well, and um, his cameo against Sheffield Wednesday as well. You could probably even add the five minutes, ten minutes he had against Luton as, as being pretty good. Do you think we're finally seeing him sort of join the party now, so to speak? I hope so. I, I really hope so, because I think he can contribute and I think he can add a lot to, to the way we play. Um, if you if you go back to the beginning of the season, he was most people's tip to be the most influential signing that we made based on the fact, you know, he, he'd come from a Premier League club. He won the World Cup of the England under 20s. He kind of walked around the championship and done pretty much, you know, the business wherever he'd gone. Um, but then you look at players like Ollie Skip, who's come in and really cemented his place. Um, Kieran Dow's not been able to do that due to injury. And, and that's that's part of football. Um, so, yeah, I'm hoping that he gets a bit of a run towards the end of this season. I'm hoping he um, gets a good pre-season under him and kind of we look at him towards the Premier League. I'm sure he's hoping for the same thing. Um, what If I go back to those those late 90s that I was talking about earlier, the end of the season when, when Norwich were on the beach, which was pretty much every season when we were sitting 12th or 11th with 10 games to go, um, that's when the kids used to come out and used to start seeing these youth products that you hear about now because we have the media coverage. But back then you didn't know anything about them and the beach balls would come out and we'd all have a good laugh. I, I don't see that happening this time, but I can see Daniel Parker just starting to give those players that have missed out a bit more of a chance. Um, and maybe the likes of Emi, yeah, maybe it means he sits out a few of these remaining games or, or Todd Canwell or, or even Timo Puki to, give, to see if Adam Eder is going to be in our plans for next year. Or, or is he going to go back to the championship? That's 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 going to be an interesting last uh, last few four four or five games once once we've clinched. Yeah, and I, and I imagine once it is done and Norwich have, have secured promotion, maybe even the title as well on top of that, someone like Timu Puki will have his eyes firmly set on the Euros, won't he? He will not want to get injured um, before the end of the season. Of course, that is kind of a, a once-in-a-lifetime, particularly at his age now, um, kind of event, Finland's sort of first major competition as well. So that's um, that's a, a really good shout, I think. In terms of, of this game, Nick, how, how do you kind of see it? Because I think Daniel Farker's has come out in recent weeks and, and given off the impression, and maybe not said it explicitly, but given off the impression that he really wants Norwich to get the most amount of points as possible onto the board before this international break. Obviously, they could be without six of their players for that Preston game on Good Friday, which is um, ludicrous, really, a ludicrous situation that, that they could potentially be in, um, given the World Cup qualifiers and, and Skip and Aaron's playing in, or Aaron's rather, playing in the under 21s uh, Euros, what, 48 hours, less than 48 hours before kickoff. It seems very bizarre that game's not been moved, but. How important is it that Norwich do try and add to their sort of winning run with this game in particular? Because if they can get 85 points going into the break, I think 90 is kind of the magic number, isn't it, for for automatic promotion? That would put them pretty close. Yeah, I, I've, I'm about three games ago, I probably felt like that. I'm one of the more optimistic fans, so I feel pretty comfortable with where we're sitting and, and what we've got. Um, typically, what we've seen from Daniel Farkas' teams is when... When teams come at us and press us, then he'll do the thing where um, McLean and Skip kind of drop in at fullback and we keep Aaron's and Yanulis nice and high and we're able to kind of play through that press and um, create attacks that way. And then when teams drop off a little bit of a lower block, he's more kept the fullbacks a little bit deeper and allowed us to kind of play out of the back with them. So I think I, I don't see anything other than kind of the machine keep ticking. 
Um, but yeah, if Blackburn score early, if the pressure starts mounting, if someone makes a mistake, we haven't seen the mentality. At, we haven't seen a, any weakness in their mentality from those types of situations. So from my perspective, um, Blackburn can come and outplay us. Um, they won't outwork us. Um, that We've shown our fitness uh, in, in this division, especially being able to definitely last, last the uh, 90 minutes plus. So I, I can't see anything other than, depending on what Blackburn do, we'll adjust, we'll play. Uh, and then it's a case of, can, can we finish our chances? And can, can we keep Blackburn out? Because they do have some dangerous players that can cause us trouble. And um, we saw that in, in the reverse fixture. So, uh, but the mentality just looks so strong right now. We just look really focused and, and, and ready for what's in front of us. I, I can't see us slipping up, but uh, yeah, if we did, then maybe there's a few people panic, but I, I won't be one of them. No, I, I don't think there's there's uh, quite any need to panic yet. The position they're in. Go on, go on then, Nick. Let's um, let's hear your score prediction for for Saturday. Oh man, um, well Blackburn obviously missing Tom Tribal, um, missing Bradley Dack, uh, looking like they want to move their manager on. It's either going to be, hey guys, let's get together and prove ourselves at this level and show that we can compete against the best, or it's going to be crumble. Um, so I can either see a very narrow Norwich win uh, if it's the former and uh, the doors opening up and, and a lot of goals going in if it's the latter. Mm. Go on then, put a number on it. Uh, I'll say the latter, even though I don't, I don't want to do that to you, Ryan, but I'll say the latter and I'll go for 4-0. 4-0, there we go. One of the more optimistic predictions we've had definitely this year. Um, Ryan, how, how do you see this game going in terms of what Nick was speaking about there? How do you see Blackburn and, and Tony Mowbray approaching it? And then, of course, I'll ask you for that score prediction as well. Uh, I'm not looking forward to this game in any way, shape or form, Connor. And uh, don't worry, Rovers will not register on Norwich's Richter scale in any way, shape or form. Um, you know, nine wins on the bounce for Norwich. We're one win in 11. Our record against the top six is pretty poor this season, especially away from home. I think it's going to be a very job done performance from Norwich. I don't think we'll trouble you that much. Um, so I just think that I can see some goals, actually, which is what I'm fearing. And, and actually, we've not been too bad defensively in this recent form, uh, particularly with Harwood Bellis at centre-back with Lenihan. But I just think that the Norwich have got that swagger. You've got those players. You've got those people replacing Buendia that are producing just as much as Buendia. You know, you're replacing quality with quality. So um, I'm pleased that Nick said 4-0 because that was going through my head. So I'm going to say 3-0 so I don't look like I'm putting my own team under a bus. But um, I can't see anything other than just a, a comfortable, comprehensive Norwich City win. Um, I'd love it to be different, but I just can't. And I think we're begging for the international break where Mowbray can just get his players back on the training pitch and ultimately see what we're going to do with these final eight games of the season, which are all dead rubbers for Rovers. Uh, and they might become dead rubbers for Norwich as well, if you get the job done sooner rather than later as well. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's not going to be easy. I think in terms of how Mowbray will approach the game, Connor, we'll try. We'll probably look all right in possession. Tyrese Dolan might have a run at you. There might be the odd chance that Armstrong slips in behind. But I just can't see a sustaining pressure I can't see us causing you problems. I can't even see us pressing you or, or trying to cause you problems in that way. So 
I just think that Norwich, as I say, will get the job done. And even if it's nil-nil at halftime, I think you'll run out comfortable winners. So, yeah, sadly, I can only see a Norwich City win. And I know the whole Rovers fan base will agree with me. There might be the sickos that think, yeah, we'll go there and win one nil, but it's not happening. Well, there we go. I tell you what, if uh, if Norwich fans needed a, a confidence boost, I don't know why they would at the moment, but that serves as, as maybe the best way. Ryan, Nick, thank you so much for joining me. Really enjoyed that. Thank you all very much for watching. Leave a, a comment down below um, as to your score prediction. Get in touch, of course, if you want to um, feature on the show. That's exactly what Nick did. And uh, you can you can come and join me. Anyone, we're, we're open to anyone. Any Norwich fan with an opinion, uh, do come and join us. It's uh, It's always great to have you on the show thank you very much for watching of course we'll be at Carrow Road on Saturday for all of the coverage of Norwich City's game against Blackburn can they make it 10 wins on the bounce let's hope so thanks for watching see you soon